I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters. We are at Martin Stadium in snowbound, fogged in, rained out <laughs> Martin Stadium, and uh, where University of Washington defeated Wazoo 28 to 15 in front of a sellout crowd. Announced a 32,952. I was going to say this is horrible radio right off the bat, Kim. But for just to set the scene for people, they're just sheets of like fog and maybe like. <laughs> frozen clouds are just kind of blowing from left to right and it's just sheets of the I mean it's weird this whole game was just bonkers Chris I've been doing this since 1997 worst game weather wise ever it started off uh, you know the beginning of the game in the first quarter since 92 since 97 since we've been doing this Um, but uh, yeah I mean the rain that was coming down it wasn't the misty rain it was hard rain and it was windy and it was cold and then it turned to snow which was actually more tolerable I know it made it miserable for the guys out on the field for footing but you know once things get wet they don't dry out so um, the snow was actually a blessing for us down on the field compared to you guys up here with your coats off. But, uh, yeah, just a a spectacular game. And, uh, boy, if I was going to give a game ball out today, you knew who I'd give it to. You better be saying Miles. No. (laughs) Okay. Jimmy Lake. Phenomenal game. How about Bart? How about Bart for uh, for shoe choice? (laughs) Bart Bart should be getting some shoe choice awards here. Yeah. Uh, Miles Gaskin, just phenomenal. Uh, 27 carries for 170 yards with an 80-yard scamper. But uh, even with 170 yards on 27 carries, I don't think it told the story of Miles Gaskin running hard, getting key first downs. You know, he was just a player of the game without a doubt. Well, sure. And on that 80-yard run, he became – the only Pac-12 running back to have ever had four straight thousand-yard seasons. So that was such a monumental play in so many ways. I mean, obviously the record, but then you know that basically capped the game off. And then the way him and Savon, they and Jake Browning ran that eight-minute drive at the end of the game was just. I mean, if you, if Washington fans honestly, they should be more fired up about that drive than any other aspect of this game because that was literally a will drive. And Washington broke Washington State's will. I mean, they broke them over their, over their knees in half. It was destruction. And they made it look pretty easy. Well, Washington State, you know, they have a pretty small defensive line, but, uh, you know, they lost um, Jared Hilbers early in the game, yeah. and Trey Adams had to go in yeah. to replace and him. All, what. <laughs> all American had to go in and replace him. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they were just running the ball down the throat. Did um, he look rusty? You know, I couldn't really tell from my vantage point. You know, I'm looking through a camera most of the time. You know, it looked like he walked right in there without any issues. Now, I, we couldn't tell because the way the press box is, it's it's we're kind of hermetically sealed in here, so we get very little noise that's going on outside. It's very difficult to tell who's getting charged with the holding calls, for instance, because Washington had a few. I think one of them was Trey Adams in that third or fourth quarter. It was on Trey in the yeah, other because he kind of he kind of mauled him from behind a little bit. It was it was a good call. Um, the other one that, was on Luke Wattenberg. Yeah, I think Luke had one or two. Yeah, but. Bottom line is, and, and, and I'm not going to get too far astray on the holding calls, but you know, if, if they if that Pac-12 refereeing crew was going to call holding calls against Washington, I I saw at least three or four calls in the first half when Minshew was scrambling around end and they were holding um, 
you know, I just I felt bad because they just didn't want to call that both ways, apparently. But in the end, it just didn't matter. The refing in this game just didn't matter. You know, you mentioned, you know, Trey Adams coming back. Well, welcome back, Hunter Pryde. Holy crap, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, when you get three catches for 108 yards, 59-yard, uh, big pass play on a third and 16, I think it was. Yeah, third and, and then they go Browning to Aaron Fuller to Hunter Bryant for that 22, 23-yard uh, double pass. You know, it was shades of Browning to Dante Pettis to Darrell Daniels. And it's it's kind of crazy because that happened two years ago. And, you know, I, I think it's going to become kind of a broken record theme of this particular podcast and, and maybe of our content coming out of this game because Washington was able to do a lot of things offensively that they just kind of hang their hat on. And Chris Peterson fully admitted, said, Look, when, when the rain started coming and then it turned to snow and the footing became an issue and everything, it took half of our game plan out the window because they wanted to throw the ball a lot more. And, um, you know, he thinks that it probably took about half the game plan away from Mike Leach as well. And that was really obvious because uh, Jimmy Lake, I mean, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but Jimmy Lake did not hold any punches tonight. He let her fly. We'll, uh, and just, uh, we'll talk about the defensive yeah. side of the ball, but just keeping it on the offensive side of the ball. You know, with Jake Browning with the interception and the fumble, and a, you know, it was it, it was tough out there. I, you know, I got a ball in the end zone thrown towards me, and I picked it up, and I'm, I all I can think is, how are they throwing this? It was heavy. It was slick. I don't know how they're throwing it, and that was evidenced by some of the th- uh, out there. But um, you know, Washington dominated this game. They really did. I mean, they. They dominated this game. I didn't get a chance, obviously, to go talk to Mike Leach or Gardner Minshew or any of the Washington State players. But I have to be very curious to find out if Gardner Minshew has ever played in a game like this before. Now, Washington fans on our game day board are already making, uh, you know, they're making some comments about how when he walked off the field he was crying and was crushed. And I walked right past him and it was all of that. He was devastated. I mean, really devastated. I felt bad, but... At the same time, I mean, this this game was literally survival of the fittest, Kim. Survival yeah. of the fittest. Miles Gaskin, 27 carries for 170 uh, net yards with a long of 80. Beautiful 80-yard run. Was it in the third quarter? And then uh, Jake Browning, 11 of 14. Very, very, very efficient. 11 of 14 for 207. Andre Pacelli had uh, five receptions for 89 yards. Uh, he had some big plays with a nice 48-yard pass. Hunter Bryant, welcome back, Hunter Bryant. Three uh, catches for 108 yards with a long of 59. Savon Ahmed had two uh, receptions, but he had a 24-yard reception that was uh, really big. Well, he was also averaging almost 10 yards a carry. Yeah, uh, just looking down the team stats real quick. Washington, 258 net yards rushing. 258. Uh, uh, Wazoo with only 85 um, total net yards passing. Washington, 229. Washington State, only 152. I'd be surprised if I'd be surprised if double that was their low of the season because I think Minshew had had a record of like how many 300 games in a row or whatever. Now, Cal may have limited to that, but, I mean, they just shut him down. Washington doubled. Washington doubled the yardage, more than doubled. Uh, Washington total offense, 487. Washington State, 237. Uh, interesting stat, both teams with 59 yards. Washington with six penalties. Um, but I think, you know, the key to the game, putting this away – Fourth quarter, 
time of possession. Washington had the ball 10 minutes and 21 seconds. Washington State only 4 minutes 39. And, you know, like uh, Pete always says, you love to end the game with the ball in your hands when you're ahead. Well, what was really interesting is that Washington State, if you look at the stats, they crushed people in the fourth quarter. That's when they put teams away. But if you look at the 80-yard run that Gaskin to really kind of cap that early in the fourth quarter, and then Washington gets the ball back with like eight eight minutes, 45 seconds or whatever, they run out the clock. Eight minute and 47 yard, or uh, the drive was eight minutes and 47 seconds long, 14 plays, 76 yards, as dominant a drive and as will-breaking a drive as I've seen in a while. I know big Peterson... Down, big, big, big third down conversions. Yeah, and, and out wide. I mean, Savon, Miles, they got outside, and they had... Washington State was plowing the middle, and they just they had no contain on the edges. And Savon, I'll tell you what, you know, we talk about how slippery it was and the footing and all this and that. Those guys didn't seem to have a problem with it at all. I mean, that was really slick, and to be able to go outside and plant a cut up field, it wasn't easy. But uh, you know, Washington State had a tough time getting around on the field, and you know, this is their home field. I mean, they're more used to playing in this stuff than Washington is. Well, and I'll tell you what, what what was really telling. And, and Washington fans or whoever's listening to the podcast might find this very, very interesting. We asked Chris Peterson about the footing and all this stuff. And his, you know what his answer was? His answer was, don't these guys have, like, tractors or snow plows or something? I'm surprised they didn't, like, do anything. And we were like, they did. They did. They <laughs> snow. They, they, they tried to take as much of that off the field at halftime as possible. But clearly the Washington players and coaches didn't even realize it because there was still so much snow on the ground, because it was still making such a big impact that they barely even noticed that they had the crew out here trying to, you know, they, they had the, 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 the snow shovels and all that stuff out. And even during breaks, they were, they were going up and down the lines, the five-yard lines. Um, now, what's really interesting, Kim, and you probably don't know this, obviously, because you didn't watch, but they had, the, obviously, the Fox telecast going up in the booth at the same time. They had used some sort of infrared or did something like this where the where the, the numbers on the field were actually lit up. So you could actually tell where all the stuff – us watching it in real time, watching literally watching the game, we had no clue. Yeah. We had no clue what was going on. It was really, really tough to kind of keep track of that game at times. Huge defensive effort, limiting Washington State to 237 yards. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant game plan um, by Jimmy Lake um, and Pete Kwiatkowski. And, uh, you know, they can talk about the weather and the elements and all that. But, you know, Washington's base today was a dime package. And then they'd slide into yep. the nickel once in a while. Yep. And they started off with Elijah Molden in there and, and Miles Bryant. And Hunter Rapp was close to the line of scrimmage. And obviously JoJo. And, they you know, guy, they bring in Brandon McKinney at times. Elijah Molden, was, he had a great job. Really thought he was going to get that pick in the second half. But obviously it dropped. But uh, Obviously, I talked to him after no, the was, game. No, it dropped. He said, I thought I had yeah, it. Yeah, no. No, no, no. <laughs> but, um, Academy Award for him, but, but the, not only the play, tape doesn't lie. Not only playing the dime. Um, you know, and then dropping into the nickel. They were able to get pressure with three. And I'll tell you who had a really, really good game. Miles Bryant had made a couple of mistakes. They yanked him and put in Keith Taylor. And Keith, Keith Taylor had a hell of a game at the slot. Well, it was really interesting because they had a couple breakdowns a little bit early where guys like James Williams and Max Borgie were able to get some of those crossing routes, were able to get some, some yardage and what have you. 
But once they kind of got a feel for what the crossing routes were going to be and, and how long it was going to take Minshew to kind of find the dump downs and, and find that easy money per se, um, I, don't think, I don't think the Washington, I don't think the players had any problems with what Minshew was going to do in terms of throwing it in the flat. And he definitely didn't look downfield. I mean, I don't even, I was looking at the, I was looking at the final stats and, you know, you look at Borgie, James Williams, Calvin Jackson, Kyle Sweet are the ones listed in terms of the receivers. There's no Jameer Calvin listed. There's no I know Aesop uh, Winston maybe had a catch or two, but he was basically a non-factor. Um, who's their huge receiver? Um, I'm trying to think of who the guy is. Um, well, their well, long pass, their longest play from scrimmage yeah, 18, was 22 well, tw- yards. 22 yards, and that was Borgie. I mean, that was 22 yards, and then James Williams had an 18 yarder. They were all they were all dump downs. They were all trying to they were just trying to nickel and dime Washington, and you can't do that with these guys because. They would start off, and if they were making the tackles in space like they were, now all of a sudden you're second and 10, second and 11. Um, then they might try to run the ball or throw a, a draw on them or something like that. Yeah, it just wasn't working. It wasn't working. And, and they set the tone early, Kim. You know, Washington got that three and out after Washington State took the ball. Let's say Washington, by the way, is two and 10 in coin, cost, uh, coin tosses. Um, for the season, so that's kind of weird. But um, they took the ball. Washington, Washington State took the ball because they wanted to make a statement. And their statement was three and out. Yeah. And they said it early. And I'm telling you, talking about Jimmy Lake again, Jimmy Lake was like, look, uh, you know, and I don't know how much of it was weather-related or not, but when he tells you flat out, they did nothing different. It was the same old, same old, made it super easy to game plan. I hope they keep doing that every year because – you know, and I guess he went on, uh, Softy tweeted out, he went on the, the radio station with them and, and basically said, yeah, and, and because of all that stuff, we've basically kicked their asses the last four years. Yeah. I'm telling you, I mean, he, Jimmy Lake was fired up tonight. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was talking to, you know, JoJo McIntosh. I was talking to Jimmy and just, you know, with the footing out here, you thought it would be difficult to be physical. But, you know, they were, they were the more physical team out there. There was, there was no doubt about, Again, no doubt Jim, about that. That last drive. That that absolutely crushed Washington State to its core. That was the exact opposite of everything they were able to do to the opponents yeah. this year. Washington took it and basically threw it right back at them, and they had no answer. And it was a, to me, it was cumulative. It was them taking that, running it, running it, running it. I'm sorry, Trey, guys like Trey. So you got Trey Adams, Luke Wattenberg, Nick Harris. You got Jackson Kirkland. You got Caleb McGarry, and those guys. Just oh, oh, they just ran. I mean, they no, ran no, a lot you, of counters. You forgot they ran guys. a lot of powers. You forgot a couple of guys. Well, they they ran. I mean, I know Henry, Henry two tight ends. Well, we got Henry Mainavalu came out sometimes, and he was playing right tackle, and they would move McGarry out even farther. Um, they had some definitely some unbalanced formations on some of those things. Um, so even though Bush Hamden was probably limited in terms of the pass game, I think he. You know, I think the smartest thing that any coach can do is when you're having success running the ball and you're clearly having an effect on the other team, don't stop. <laughs> and and really, I think, I don't remember who it was, but um, someone said that basically they ran, I think it may have been Hunter Bryant, he said basically they just ran two two or three running uh, running plays that entire final drive. They didn't change anything up. They were just literally running the same play over and over well, and because, over. That's because they broke their will. Yeah. I Absolutely, mean, they really they did. did. 
Absolutely. They really, really did. But, you know, getting back to, you know, the defense, like I said, I, th I thought it was one of the best defensive performances I've seen by a Washington team in a long, long time. Sure, there were some breakdowns, but this is an explosive, explosive team. Yeah, and, and again, you're going to have a lot of sudden change plays in situations like this. We saw it. You know, Jake Browning has the, the fumble on the third, or was it third down or fourth down, and, and has problems. And But then they get they get picks. You know, I mean, remember, Kervin gets a pick. Um you know, they, that kind of stuff was going to come and go. But when you look at, like, for instance, the short fields that Washington's offense gave to Washington State, it was good that the defense really stiffened up and was able to show that they were not going to give up easy. Because ultimately, when you look at the conditions and everything else, it's, it was totally about the defense. And for, the, for Washington to score 28 points and to put almost 500 yards of offense in those conditions, I mean, to me, that's that's – as good as it gets when you talk about aggressiveness and you talk about physicality. How big was it to have DJ Beavers back? Huge. He seems to, he, he seems to play really well against Wazoo. And, and I'll tell you what, one of the best plays he made all game, in my opinion, was on one of the kick returns where he kind of slid and he was watching the returner the whole way. And if he doesn't make the sure tackle at about the 22, 23-yard line, that guy could go. I mean, he could he could because he had a couple blockers in front of him. But Beavers took him down, and he made no doubt about it. So it was great to see him. It was great to see Brandon Wellington in there again. You know, Ben Kirvin gets dinged up a little bit because Ryan Bowman, he, they had a collision where they neither one of them knew what was going on. And some people, I think, on our boards were saying that Bowman may have gotten pushed in the back. But he had to be taken out, and then he came back in. I thought he got his bell rung myself. but I think we had an emergence, maybe a, maybe a little bit of a star being born tonight. Joe Tryon. Joe Tryon. Uh, he had a sack. He had a, a couple. I think of that was his, was it his first sack, or was the one? Or did he have one at Oregon State against Oregon State? I don't I know. But boy, but I think this was his first sack. He was having an impact. He was having an impact, and I guarantee you, getting three, getting the pressure they got with three and four, that was again part of what Jimmy Lake was talking about. They did not have to blitz. They did not have to do anything outside of what they've done the last two or three years in terms of their base packages up front. They did a lot of stunting. They did a lot of crossing, little twists and whatnot, and they threw some different guys out there. But I'm telling you, Joe Tron and Benny Potowai really imp imposed the, themselves on the game, and Ryan Bowman really imposed himself on the game too, I thought. Well, when we were talking to Chris Peterson, and we wouldn't even ask him about Joe. He would bring up Joe in, sure. the, in the spring and in the fall, and he would always smile. When Joe's name came up, because when you see Joe, how can you not? He's six six two sixty or six five two sixty. He's he's a cre he 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 is Kyle Ellis. He's Kyle Ellis. He's Kyle Ellis. I mean, we we talk about the creature in the best way possible. And back two thousand two, scene of the crime, right here. You talk about what Kyle Ellis what did to impose he himself like on that game. Joe Tron did it too. And, and I don't want to take anything away from guys like Greg Gaines and Jalen Johnson. By the way. Five and zero as senior starters against the uh, against the Cougars can't take that away from them. But you look at those guys. Levi Anzarike had one or two really really good plays. In fact, Anzarike I think was the one that really forced the interception that I think Burke Curvin got, um, if I remember correctly. But he really I think he really forced Minshew into a bad throw on that one, and that was huge. But again, you know Gaines, you know he's splitting double teams. Jalen Johnson's making his presence felt. Um, can't say enough about that front. Because when you can get that much done with three and four, especially in these conditions, I mean, less than ideal doesn't begin to cover it. Brandon Wellington, I thought, you know, um, he's not the run stuffer. He's not, um, 
Victor, uh, Azim Victor. He's not Lester Towns, but I'll tell you what, Brandon Wellington plays the passing game really, really well. Absolutely, and he's and he's kind of in that hybrid mold of like a Ben Burkirvan. He can run really, really well. We've known that ever since his days at Eastside Catholic. And the only thing with, with Brandon is just get healthy. You just got to get healthy, and if he can get right and feel good and, and come back in his spring 100%, he'll have a monster senior year. We're going to wrap this up because we've got a kind of a white-knuckle drive on the way back to I'll Spokane. tell you what, to be fair, though, it's kind of cleaned out a little bit. The, the fog is gone, thankfully. Yeah, um, so. but, but you know, one thing I want to cover before we go. Sure. Um, Post game, um, these guys. Oh were out yeah, there. in terms of on the field, there was snowball fights. Snow Silly angels. Angels. They were running and sliding. I caught a couple of the freshmen, you know, poly guys. Yeah, they'd never seen snow before. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what was funny is that uh, they were all trying to get into their their position group so they could all have pictures on the field with the trophy and all that. And the outside linebackers with Coach K, they were yelling at Zion Tupola Fatui. Yeah. He was just like a, a pig and poop man. He was he was so kind of like awed at the whole thing. Like, what's going on? He was throwing snowballs at everybody. They had they had to yell at him like ten times. What's going on? What's going on? So those guys were having so much, and they were throwing snowballs at each other, and um, they were uh, yeah. I mean, they, but they should enjoy this, and it was such yeah. a huge deal. And again. Um, just want to make note of too the how big this was, um, considering the accident with the bus yeah. and the marching band. Uh, thankfully, it looks like all those people are going to be okay. Hopefully, I know there's still a couple that are uh, in the hospital. I believe that are you know whether it's observation or if it's there's there's something more serious. I don't know yet. But uh, I saw a picture of the marching band from the from their Twitter account. I think in Spokane, and um, to me that was the best photo of the night. I mean, those people getting to enjoy that, and um, you know, I'll. I mean, Washington State was so classy today. I mean, for them to to do the fight song and to do it out here and to kind of acknowledge that, I thought was fantastic. And it was a great environment, a huge college football game. Uh, I really hope that a lot of people got a chance to see this, Kim, because at five o'clock, USC Notre Dame was playing. Yeah. Again, Pac-12 TV scheduling snafus galore. This should have been the marquee game, night game, the whole bit. And I'm, I'm hoping beyond hope that the national crowd got to see this game because I think they got a chance to see Washington at its best. I was hoping Larry Scott would be around so he could drive back to Spokane with us, maybe have him drive. Well, I'm telling you what, <laughs> there's no reason Larry Scott shouldn't have been here. This was for the Pac-12 North. This was a championship game. Why isn't the commissioner here? Because he's a clown. I don't, I'm not saying that. I, I'm not making those judgments. You can make those judgments, Kim. I'm just asking the question. What? I mean, if he can't be here for this, for the, this is a winner-take-all game. This has, this has potential playoff implications for Washington State, which, not to drift too far off again, but there was, a, there was kind of a scenario floating uh, in the, around the press box pregame, whereas if Washington State had won this game, and then they went and played Utah, and they were able to get into the playoff. Washington probably ends up in the Rose Bowl. One more thing we got to talk about, and I'm not going to let you go longer than two minutes before we end this. Okay. Not only a big win today, huge commitment. Huge oh, yeah. commitment. No, I mean, and, and, and here, big ups to, to, to Scott Eklund, to Brandon Huffman, to our, our big boy, Ryland Spencer. Really saving our bacon, you know, and being home and, and being on the radio when that thing breaks. We're so fortunate. We're in Colfax. On, on, on one, I was going to say, on the one hand, we're like halfway to Pullman. They're, you know, halfway to the radio station when this stuff breaks. 
you know, we're asking we're asking David Hewers like, what's going on, man? I mean, why why is it that you guys want to make this thing known and none of us are available to do anything about he did it? it on purpose? Yeah. So, and, but but it does go to show it's Murphy's law, right, Kim? No matter what happens when we are out, something like this breaks. But I'm telling you that it, to get the top guy for 2021, he's going to be a five star. He may end up when it's all said and done. Could he be the highest ranked prospect that's ever? Not just come out of Washington, but in terms of going to Washington, staying home and going to Washington, uh, I think it's possible. I think it's very possible. We know he's going to be a five-star. Brandon Huffman said it. But here you go. you got JT Tuimalau. you got uh, Emeka Ibuka. You've got all these guys that could join him. And he talked about on the show how big a deal it was to commit right now, get this thing going, and keep those guys home. Go out and watch his huddle tape. Mechanically, boy, he's just got a well, beautiful got throwing motion. Seventy five hundred yards already yeah, in two beautiful, years. Beautiful throwing motion. And the thing it is, you know, and I, you know, I talk to Damon all the time. Normally about wine is winery, but um, you know, Damon's so humble, you know, and even at the beginning, yeah, I don't know if he's good enough. <laughs> Damon, stop, just stop. You know, and just you know, we're just not into all this recruiting and the rankings and all this stuff. But um, you know, Sam said it. You know, it was his dream to come to Washington. There was no doubt he was going to come to Washington, and you know, uh, Washington took their time and did the proper evaluation as a big deal. And you know what? Not only congratulations to you know the coaching staff and Luke Heward, but I mean um, uh, um, <laughs> Sam Heward. It's late, um, but you know, I'll tell you what uh, the um, the Heward family, all oh, yeah. of them, classy people. Well, and you, he's, he's doing jumping jacks on the inside. Damon is. I mean, this this is his dream come true as a father. I mean, he oh, gets yeah. to follow his son follows in his legacy, his his uncle's legacy. You know, but yet at the same time, he's so proud of his son because he can carve his own legacy. I, you know who I think is the most proud proudest Heward. Grandpa Mike, Mike here. Okay, yeah. fair enough. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure it can all be shared around. But yeah. bottom line is, you've got that, and then real quickly, Kim, the 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 guy, the last guy who committed to Washington for the 2019 class, Fatui Tuatele, was named the 2018 Hawaii State Player of the Year. So you can tell that the the recruiting is playing dividends. There's a lot of guys that we're watching tonight, and it's going to make a difference. You got 60 seconds to wrap this up. Final thoughts, Chris Fetters. Well, first of all, we do this all over again in a week. You get to go on the road. You know, you were talking about how tired you were and all this and that. You're so you're worn out because you've been going to games and going on the road and doing this. And now you get to go one more time to uh, to the Pac-12 title game. And I'm telling you what. yeah, it's it's weird because you know as well as they played against Utah down there, um, different quarterback, different running back. Uh, Jimmy Lake talked about that how it's going to be kind of a different thing entirely. So I just uh, I think it's going to be a heck of a game. I think Washington's starting to really get into its stride a little bit offensively. Certainly won't have to worry about these conditions for that game. But I'm telling you what, six straight against Washington State, six straight against the Air Raid. Mike Leach is over in a huge way against Chris Peterson, I, and I don't know how that's going to stop anytime soon. I predicted, and I said I was looking at this fifty-fifty, Kim, going into the week, and finally I just kind of thought, and I was like, they got to show me. They got Washington State's got to show me that they're not going to coop this, and that they're they've got it inside them to do something about this. And clearly they didn't. That wasn't cooking it. I was getting their ass beat, but you know what? They had they had opportunities to get in front of this game. They they couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, it's 
been a long couple. It's, it's been a long month and a half. All the road games being up in Vancouver, coming back now San Jose. I'm not complaining, but uh, you know being back home is going to feel good. We've got about. It's probably going to take a couple hours. It's going to be a slow drive back to Spokane tonight. White knuckle. Luckily, I talked my way into getting an all-wheel drive vehicle, so hopefully that's going to make it safe. Um, we have a basketball game on Tuesday against Eastern Washington. Sure we do. We've got a basketball <laughs> game. Uh, news media with uh, Chris Peterson on Sunday. During uh, the Seahawks game. Yeah, and I'm sure that... <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be some other media availability. And then, you know, Friday, what time's the kickoff? Do you, do you even know? I thought it was like 5 or 6. Something, it's usually right around Down there, isn't in it? San Jose. And, you know, Larry Scott can drive to that game unless he decides to take his private plane from SFO over to San Jose. So um, You really got it in for Larry, don't you? You know what? It, it, it's, I'm just going to say it. This game. Played in Pullman the day after Thanksgiving at night is bullshit. It puts people in harm's way. It put the bus, you know, the band in harm's way. All these people having to come over the pass to go to the game. Everybody's gone. It's Thanksgiving vacation. I'd say 90% of the people in the stands came from over an hour away. And you're going to have them travel like this? You know, Larry, start start fighting for your conference. Start fighting for the student-athletes to start fighting for your school instead of, you know, just, you know, I'm Harvard Larry. You know, come on. I, I don't know how much... Input he could have really had on this. I don't care. He's not. He should, but I think, in my opinion, he should have been here. That's what he should have. He should have been here. Anyways, nice win by Washington again uh, in Martin Stadium, six in a row. And final score again was what was it? 28-15. 28-15. 28-15. 28-15. So, hey, from all of us at Dogman.com, Scott Eklund is back home. Luke Monger is at a fraternity <laughs> transcribing things. Fetters and I are going to get out of here. So, for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenells with Chris Fetters. Go dogs.